Thanks for listening. This is Obsessive Comic Disorder. My name is Gene DeWeber, and today my guest is Chris Hudson. Hello. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty. Try not to do the Larry David. Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> Actually, one second here. I, I can hear my voice really well, but yours. Let me make sure. I, I'm going to check something before real fast. Okay. Just want to make sure that your voice is coming in nice and clear. Yeah. Um. Awesome. Okay. Just dealing with a little bit of that. Uh, it's always a little bit different. Recording at every every location is a little bit different. I've noticed. Just there's just uh there's always quirks to work out. Yeah, and luckily, uh, my neighbor with the fat with the face tattoo who raps is not doing that right now. Oh, that's so. good. <laughs> I think. <laughs> the SoundCloud rapper? I think so. Yeah. I think SoundCloud rapper. You also hear him lifting, working out. Oh, that's fun. And that's uh having arguments with whoever. The the roommates are just, just uh people on the phone or like I lived with a guy I lived at a place that it was like you were everybody was a, just renting out an individual room. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of move a little bit so I can see you a little bit better. I, don't know. I just like I just like seeing the person I'm talking to. Yeah. Um. But I, uh, yeah, there was like individual rooms, and there was a guy who lived in the room next to me, and these walls were super thin. At like ten o'clock at night, he would just start yelling at someone on the phone every night. So it was just like this really obnoxious. Like, it was really funny, though, because he'd be like, you goddamn son of a bitch, you fucking piece of shit. And then he's at the end of the call, he'd be like, all right, well, anyway, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> was that his, like, dad or someone? I, this guy was, like, he's in his 70s, so I'm guessing, like, oh. could be it could be a, a, a son, it could be a daughter. I, apparently, he would call her landlord a lot. And no. just curse at her, which is, I I don't know how he got away with that, you know? Like, maybe he was, um, this is the guy, it's interesting, because I lived with a guy that, um, the first movie that Gus Van Zandt directed, I think it's called, like, Lost Nachos or something like that, which was based off of a book about this guy, a, this guy wrote. So, like, this is a guy who's actually, like, has some stake in doing something, but he was just a piece of shit. Okay. <laughs> I had a joke of a um when I first when I first moved there that he he told me not to masturbate too loudly. <laughs> and I had a whole joke about where I would like just like be pounding on the walls and be like, I'm jerking off. I'm jerking off, Walt. <laughs> you said he would scream at the landlord? Yeah, on the phone. Like oh, he would okay. call her or he'd leave messages because he would just get like extremely drunk. He was, I don't think I ever saw this guy sober. Like he was always drinking just an insane amount. And he smelled just like he smelled like diabetes personified, really. Like, oh, yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was bad. <laughs> yeah, but you said he was older. A lot of a lot of people who are like older, elderly, yeah. they drink a lot, drink heavily if they don't have access to like strong prescriptions. Yeah, and anyone who gets yelled at by someone who's like elderly, 
nine times out of ten, their reaction is just like, "Oh, he's 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 just, he's old." Yeah, but he was he's yeah. old. <laughs> They're old. Like anytime an old person does something that is not acceptable, nine times out of ten, people are gonna be like. Yeah. Yeah, but they're they're old. They're old. Yeah. They're really old. Yeah. They were born in 1941, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> this guy, he's he's a piece of work though. He's like, yeah, I, it's funny cuz he would also have people come over and he would yell at them too. Cuz he's a poet apparently. He's like a published oh. poet. Oh. Oh, he's a poet. Yeah. Walt Curtis oh, if anybody. Poet. Walt Curtis, the, he's Shout apparently out Walt Curtis. Poets In my experience, I have limited experience with poets, but I have had some experience with poets. In Mm -hmm. fact, one of the one of the guys was my friends. He was one of my friends in college. Uh, He was a poet slash rapper slash producer slash. um, He made his own candles. (laughs) We used to go to bars. We used to go to bars. This was uh, back in Baltimore. We used to go to bars, and I didn't have a lot of confidence, and he was the most outgoing person I had almost ever met. And so I was like, well, I'm going to go out with him because I'm going to meet a lot of people because he's going to talk to everybody. That's what he did. And then, but what he would do is he would bring these candles that he made in his apartment with him, and he would try to sell people candles at the bar. Oh, that's really funny. (laughs) And, you know... (laughs) And one of the bars he did that at it had a, um, a a staircase going to like the second level of the bar. And yeah. there was a banister and he was obsessed with the banister. He was super obsessed. He also skateboarded. Not a surprise. Yeah. Um, How old anyone, was this guy? <laughs> he must have been. He, he was in his 30s, I think. And I was okay. in my 20s. Okay. Okay. So he was maybe almost 10 years older than me. But yeah, he skateboarded. And anyone who like yells a lot, they skateboard. Um, <laughs> it was a, That's fair. That's or they fair. have yeah. in the past. But this banister, he was obsessed with it. And this one bar that we were selling candles at, he became so obsessed with it, he got an ordained minister to marry him to the banister because he <laughs> he wanted to grind down it and the owner wouldn't yeah. let him. But he was like, well, if I get married, technically that banister is my wife and I can grind down the banister. So he had an ordained minister wow. marry him to the banister in the bar going to the second floor. <laughs> And and then he brought his skateboard in and grinded down it and got banned from the bar. That's that's a that's a story. Uh, <laughs> so when you said poet, I was like, who do I who do I know really yeah. well who did poetry? That guy, that guy did poetry. Uh, real quick, you might want to be a little closer to the mic mm. or like move it a little closer to you. Um, yeah, these things you you got you have like the most almost like a fist between you basically a fist okay yeah. all right yeah, so I'll like try right to be now, closer I'm just right now I'm, I can hear you really well okay cool I'm just trying not to overload it because I can be loud sometimes no it's totally fun I'd rather I'd rather you be loud and crystal clear and then I can nice. just edit your voice down right right because the more space the more like you can hear the I, I get yeah because then there's like I an echo and there's yeah. everything else and it's like yeah it's a whole thing <laughs> this is like episode thirty six. Or something yeah, like that. So this no, is you've like, got like radio equipment. I'm used to like mics that are, uh, you know, you need a little distance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I get you. Well, yeah, I, I was at, I, I was at Chris Cox's house for an episode, and his equipment was all just like just the regular mics you would have at a mic at like an open mic, basically. Okay, yeah, just, just like a Sure 50 or whatever. Yeah, exactly, an yeah. SM 50, something like that. For the yeah. audio nerds out there, they are they're they're creaming themselves. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. I, I got the, the mics I got right here is because uh, Bjorn uh, Ryan Gorman. Do you know who he is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bjorn, Bjorn, well, it, Bjorn RG. Bjorn RG. Yeah. yeah that's, that's what it is. He goes on the stage. Uh, when I was talking, because I knew he, at the time, he had been doing his uh, podcast, uh, shout out to his podcast, uh, Size 10. One of the best uh, one of the best visual studio setups I think I've seen ever for... I've told them this. It's great. Yeah. I've seen ever for a podcast. They really went out, all out on that visual studio setting that they have. It's crazy. It like, looks really good. I, I'm not like a... I'm not a huge, huge sneaker head, but I want to do it just so I can be <laughs> in that studio. Same. Same. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I had... I had seen his stuff and I was asking, I was like, because I knew he had been doing it for a while and I was like, what kind of equipment should I get? And he recommended these, which are Zoom. I, see, I'm, this is how bad it is. I don't remember the name of the actual mic. Like, I just remember ZDM1. ZDM1. That's right. Yeah. It was, uh, and they're, they're nice. They, they pick up really good audio. Um, obviously, the earlier episodes, I didn't realize that you shouldn't be back here the entire time you're talking. Right, right. So, yeah. <laughs> so it just sounded like we were in a, a warehouse or something like that. And just like there was echoing. It was at a small, like 10 by 10 room, basically. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I had that. Uh, yeah. I've had, I've had experience with that. I used to do um, a podcast about cereal. Oh, nice. Um, called Lucky Charm City. This was back when I was in Baltimore. This is still available online to listen. It, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's still out there. I am still paying $5 a month to keep that thing out there. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> just to preserve the legacy, this is the cost of doing uh, multiple podcasts. Um, yeah, yeah. But we did it in the studio at Big Theaters in Baltimore, which is an improv theater. But they had a pod; they built a podcast studio, and they nice. let us use it um, for the podcast. And one of the co-hosts, one of the co-hosts, uh, Davion Williams. Shout out, mm. Davion Williams. I think he's in DC now. Okay. Uh, he would never get close to the mic, and we like me and my other co-host Beth. Yeah. We would sound fine, and he would sound like he was in he was underwater. Yeah, basically, like in he would, another room in a submarine. Doing. And I was yeah. like, <laughs> it took like three episodes <laughs> for him to use the mic properly because I kept telling him, I was like, dude, you're not close enough. Dude, yeah. you're not close enough. Dude, you can't be back here. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. That's not how. Unfortunately, that's not how mics work. It would be nice if you could just say wherever you want, but you know that's just going to happen. With even like, there's great podcasts that still have like subpar audio and it's only because they just don't understand how their equipment works basically true yes yeah. yeah so let's get into the uh the comic we read the 1993 gambit miniseries yes which i am now trying to remember the the writer i know lee weeks did i'm a big art nerd when it comes to comics so like lee weeks did the art and then uh the classic art Classic art. And then it had uh, Klaus Janssen did the inks, which normally I don't get into the inks, but this is the guy who did the inks for the Dark Knight Returns. Ooh. This is the guy he's done, like, he did a bunch, a few different really cool Batman, um, Batman Gothic with Grant Morrison, really great miniseries done through the Legend of the Dark Knight. So, like, I, even though I could see this was Lee Week's art, I could see Klaus Janssen's, like, style integrated into there like how he does his lines how like the shade he doesn't do like a lot of times standard shading he'll do like these like space like lines with big spaces between them so like i was like okay this is definitely like before i even saw his name i'm like i recognize this this is 
I've read a lot of comics in the last couple of years, especially not just because of the podcast, just because I went overboard and buying like a bunch of graphic novels and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, yeah, this is, that's when you, that's, that's when you know you're a comic book nerd when you can recognize the inkers work. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I would say so. And Lee Weeks, the, uh, the, the artist, he still does stuff. He did stuff with, um, he did the, which I still want to read. He did the, cro- uh, artwork for the crossover, between Elmer Fudd and Batman. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm not even joking. That's the thing. Elmer Fudd and Batman? Yeah. Was that a limited series? Yeah, it was a limited series. So back in like 2000, I want to say 16, um, all the uh, uh, DC decided to do a bunch of Warner Brothers and like, so they did a bunch of stuff with Looney Tunes. They also did a bunch of stuff with Hanna-Barbera. There was like a Flintstones miniseries. There was a... Um, what is the name of the the cat who's like exit stage left even? Was it Snagglepuss? I think it's Snagglepuss, yeah. You're talking about the pink cat? Yeah, pink yeah, cat, yeah. Snagglepuss. Yeah. <laughs> there were apparently that one was really good. Uh they made they had it so he was like a um I think he was supposed to be a like a politician who was like who was outed as gay or something like that. I don't remember exactly. I don't know. Was it I I may have seen it. Was it it's did they? The, it's called the Snagglepuss Chronicles. Did they draw Snagglepuss in a hyper realistic way? I think so. Yeah. Okay, I have seen that. I have yeah. seen, and he's like wearing a suit. Yeah, yeah I've seen that. Yeah, I saw yeah, that. Yeah, I yeah. I have. I've seen. I didn't read it, but I definitely saw it a lot when it came out because mm-hmm. I remember seeing that, and I remember being like, "What twisted yeah, it's, individual came up with this?" <laughs> it's crazy because yeah, DC was just they did they they did a series called Scooby Doo Apocalypse, which was just Scooby Doo <laughs> during the like like a biblical apocalypse happening basically like is it like is it is it like the mystery machine crew trying to figure out who's who's behind the apocalypse i have no idea all i know is that they had hipster shaggy have you seen hipster shaggy i i may have isn't shaggy already a hipster oh my god yeah yes but like okay i'm gonna pull this up on my phone so you can see this um anyone listening look up uh scooby-doo apocalypse shaggy it is um they just add a beanie and a scarf to him. Is that what they do? It's because uh, he's already like a he's already like a hippie kind of uh, hipster. Okay, sure, but uh, where is it at? Is he holding a skateboard? Oh man, <laughs> that looks like that. Honestly, looks like every third guy in Portland. Yeah, <laughs> that looks like every third guy. He's, he's got good. a curly. He's got a curly mustache. He's got yeah. the beard. His hair is kind of. It's kind of nice, actually. Yeah, his hair looks. He looks nice. like he's holding an IPA. Yeah, he's got a sandwich, but he yeah he's wearing he's wearing green flannel. Green um, flannel. It he seriously looks like every third guy in Portland. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think what's really funny about this, I don't know if you saw, but Scooby's got some sort of like cybernetics going on in this. I don't know why, but <laughs> they gave him they gave him like robot eyebrows. <laughs> He's got robot eyebrows. I like that touch. Yeah. And they're designing him. They're like, what if his eyebrows were like cybernetic? <laughs> That's the weirdest guy on the panel to be designing the comic. They're like, all right. They're like, is anyone against his eyebrows being cybernetic? And everyone's like, I, I guess not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if he's going to have the cybernetic eye, I guess he should have cybernetic eyebrows. Cyber- 
Those are that's one of those weird things that comic book writer artists will do to just add more expression is something like that. That's all it is. He's probably they probably were just like, you know, because Scooby Doo is not expressive enough. We need to give him eyebrows. He always had very thin eyebrows. I did notice that. Which in in to be fair, dogs can will have like kind of like eyebrows sometimes where like they'll have a slightly different coloration right around the eyebrow area. Right. So like I get it, but it's definitely it's definitely like a little cheat that artists will do to kind of add that a little bit, especially when you have a character like Scooby Doo who is obviously I was being sarcastic before because he is extremely expressive. Yeah. Yes, he's extremely expressive. I think that's why we don't trust cats is because cats don't really have the ability to have eyebrows. It's true. I they just have ears. That. They just they have do. the ears. But even when the ears change position, it's not their expressions. It's them trying to pick up sound. It's true. And and like you have you'll have a cat like do the thing where they squint or whatever. But like, isn't that like a affection thing too? blinking blinking. OK, a lot of blinking is how they communicate, um, especially feelings of affection. Yeah. And having a cat for so long that yeah. I had. Yeah, I learned all about that. Yeah. The communication. When there was the thing how when they're trying to kiss you, they'll they'll bump your face. Yeah, that's yeah. that's affectionate. There's a lot of face rubbing. The face rubbing is like a um, familiarity territorial thing. Yeah, I um I've hung out at Kyle Adams this place a few times, and his cat does that to me a lot. It's funny she'll go between trying to bite me and then doing that. So yeah, it's very mixed, very bipolar cat. I'm trying to figure out. I'm looking up right now what the actual because I, I I feel I feel like uh, comic creators need. Uh, need to get their their uh, their dues. So I guess it was Howard Mackey who did the uh the writing for this. I'm not actually familiar with Howard Mackey as a writer, but still shout out to him for writing this storyline. Uh so you said you had read this when you were like, quite a bit younger? Yes, I read it when I was quite a bit younger. I don't know how it was so I used to when I, when I was growing up, the way I used to consume comic books is they used to sell a shit ton of comic books at the yeah. grocery store. Oh yeah. In the magazine. What there's still magazine sections in grocery stores, but I remember growing up, I mean I grew up in the, you know, the nineties. Yeah. Early same. early early two thousands, I guess you could say. I mean I was born in eighty nine, so same, same. Later part of the nineties, early two thousands. But the magazine section of the grocery store, there used to be a whole like a whole section for comics. All oh, comics. Yeah. Just all comics. And so that's how I used to consume comics. It's, you know, there'd be, you know, X-Men, Batman, like all the popular ones. Oh, yeah. Would be at the grocery store. And I remember, so when I, when I did chores for my parents, my reward was either a little bit of cash or yeah. greater value than the cash. They would buy me, they could buy me like a Pokemon card booster pack or yeah. they could buy me comics. And the comics... Them yeah. buying me comics would be often more, worth more than the cash. Like as a kid, Absolutely, I figured yeah. that out and I was like, oh, I don't want the cash. I just want you to buy me. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if they were doing like a re a re-release because you said 93. Yeah. Yeah. Because you show when because I, I had to make sure because there was a few different miniseries that mm -hmm. were done about Gambit. But when you showed me the image of it, it was like, no, this is the 1993, the original miniseries. So I don't know if they were doing a reprint or what was happening because I definitely didn't come across it in '93. Mm -hmm. It was definitely a lot later. Yeah, you weren't four four years old, I'm guessing, when you read this. So, <laughs> but I remember getting. Uh, I remember, yeah, I remember buying the, the the Gambit series. I think I bought 
I think it came as a set. I think all four issues. So was it, did you get it at a comic book shop by chance? Because a lot of times they'll have like where you get, well, they'll put all an entire series inside of like in, in, in singles or some people call them floppies, but mm-hmm. um, they'll put it in just one bag. Was it one of those situations, maybe? I didn't. Re- I didn't really go to comic book shops, so okay. it it might have been a weird grocery store thing. It was either I got it one at a time, but I feel like I got it. Interesting. I, I wonder if like was this like a local grocery store or was this like a chain grocery store? It was a local. It was a local grocery so store. I wonder if like the owner there was just like a big comic book nerd. Very well could have been. Yeah, that was like his like under like it was just like a secret comic book nerd and just wanted to like. <laughs> introduce kids to like comic books that came out like 10 years beforehand or something like that i mean it's also how i got it's also how i got some of the weirder uh some of the weirder dark horse comics because for some reason they had Mm -hmm. dark horse too in the comic section but it was just weird ones it was like like the offshoot ones what's some examples i'm curious well because the other thing i pitched uh for this episode was the star wars jar jar binks yeah uh it was like Jar Jar Binks, Lando Calrissian, and it was like a, a, a Star Wars stories. Yeah. So it was like a Dark Horse take. So it, it, they carried stuff like that. They didn't carry like the more mainstream Dark Horse stuff. Interesting. So that this is this is getting my theory more that this guy was just like a an, like a secret comic book nerd or something like that. Very well could have been. I mean, before yeah. the internet became what it was, we we all nerded out in real life. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> In real life. <laughs> the internet's real life ish. <laughs> yeah. Here, one second. I just realized something on the recording. All right, back. <laughs> All right, that's much better. So I just noticed it was recording. It still re- would record through the mics, but it's going to get a little better quality if I do it through actually selecting Zoom. Oh. So, yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet, sweet. There's a lot of <laughs> a lot of a lot of technical parts. Yeah, it's all these small things. <laughs> I mean, Blink-182 wrote that song about podcasting, so they were ahead of their time. Which song was that? All the small oh. things. <laughs> Podcast. Sting. Stinks. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. 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 Well, we're talking about the 90s. I figure I'd throw in a Blink-182 reference. It's a, I mean, and that's a, that's a very, that's, that's like every, everybody's who wasn't, you know, in, in that like punk scene or whatever early on, that's everybody's introduction to making Blink-182 because I was in like a million movies at the time. Yeah. It was in everything. They had a lot of things in, in, in movies. They had a lot of songs. Yeah. They were all over the place. Blink-182. But yeah, yeah. so, so grocery store. Probably was a big comic nerd, that guy, because it it was a local grocery store chain. It wasn't like a, a nationwide chain. Was it so it was like, uh, did it have, just have like a name like General Store or was it like more? I'm curious now. Uh, it, I'm pretty, I'm pretty positive. It might have, I'm trying to remember the name of it. There are so many grocery store chains in like in Maryland and, and well, there were in Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest ones in the Baltimore air- metro area was uh, Giant. This is called Giant. Giant. Okay. Yeah. Giant. <laughs> I'm just thinking like a very similar to, um, oh, God damn it. What's the name of that? Uh, like a Winco kind of situation or like a Fred Meyer. I would say, I would say Giant is way closer to Safeway. Okay. So, so they're just really conceited then. That's... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. I was just trying to figure out if it was like a big box store or like a big, uh, like a bigger box. There we go. That's a little bit better. I can hear myself a little bit better. Yeah, I'm just going to... I I normally am a lot better at getting all the sound stuff yeah. early on. But for some reason, I just... Today, I'm just not as on top of it as I normally am. <laughs> yeah, is, no, it's 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 cool, man. I mean, you know, you're, we're doing this remote and... Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also... I went from... Uh, I was recording every week to now I'm recording every two weeks. So it's not like I also went bi-weekly. It's way better for your mental health. It is. And it, yeah, it's it's even podcast if fans who like listening to the weekly episodes. That person's mental health is not great. <laughs> well, think about the fact everybody gives Joe Rogan shit and for good reason a lot of time. But like he does like five episodes a week. Well, if they were going to give me. A hundred million dollars. I mean, that's I would fair. Also, do five episodes a week. <laughs> if anyone wants to give me any any number, even remotely close to Joe Rogan, I will up my frequency. Yeah, I mean, I would do it every day if I got that much money. Yeah, like mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I mean, and at that point, you have enough money that you don't have to have your regular day job or whatever you're going to be doing outside of comedy. So then, I mean. Dude, I can't even imagine, though, because he's doing that. He's doing UFC. He's doing full-time stand-up comedy. Like, that just... That's a level of just... And, and working out every single day. I, I barely get up out... Like, today, we uh, started recording probably about one twenty or something like that. I didn't wake up until about noon today. So okay. Like, like, I woke up... I woke up for, like, 20 minutes to read the last issue of the series. Oh, nice. At, like, 9 a.m., and then I was like, I'm tired. I'm just going to go back to nice. sleep. And the, la- and the last issue was a... It was it was a fun conclusion. My favorite issue of the series, of the Gambit series, uh, that we're talking about, four yeah. issues. My favorite issue is probably the third issue. Third issue. Okay. Because the third issue... I feel like the third issue is... It's like the 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 peak of the action before you get yeah. to the resolution is it's almost all in the third issue the third issue and plus the third issue starts off with Remy yep in a casino in a leather jacket with yeah. his ponytail and he's just like immediately charms a woman you know <laughs> yeah. like it's it's very like the third issue i feel like is very like this this would make a perfect like if you could fit some more of the information from the first two issues, yeah, and then condense the fourth is- issue. the f- The third issue would be a perfect like movie for yes. for the. It definitely had like that feel of a movie. And it, it, I mean, this is this is definitely a very '90s comic too. Like yeah. just looking at the art, looking at oh the, yeah the dialogue in this, and just every. I mean, because I think about it as when I'm looking at art too. When I'm looking at um. This this is this is very much Jim Lee feel to it because like every era there's always like for the longest time it seemed like every era there was like another there was some sort of artist that everybody was trying to mimic and Jim Lee was uh, had been working on uh, Chris Claire with Claire, uh, Chris Claremont on the regular X Men series for a while and so he created a lot of these designs that they were using in here but there was definitely that style you could you could tell. That um, and once again, I'm just getting like nerdy about this art here. Uh, but you could just tell, like, okay, yeah, this is. So there's definitely like the camera angles and everything else. I could see this being a movie, like an action movie in the '90s. Like, yeah, 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 and you can definitely tell it's also 
very 90s X-Men because of how they have uh, Wolverine. Yeah. Of his like, in the 90s, like cat casual wolverine was him still in his x-men suit just without the mask and a cigar like that's casual wolverine like it wasn't like he had like a suit or he was gonna wear a tank top it's like no he's in his wolverine (laughs) costume yeah his wolverine suit just no mask and a cigar like that that's just casually how he rolled yeah exactly you know that's i feel like that's very 90s x-men yeah well, absolutely. And then the fact is that Wolverine is in the first issue, also very 90s X-Men. Because it was like, at the time, it was like, Wolverine was in everything. He was selling everything. It was, they did the same thing with the movies, where he just like, even in stuff that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, they have a cameo in, in the first, uh, for X-Men First Class. He's in there for five seconds, but he's in the movie, you know? Right. Like Wolverine is always like for the longest time was just a seller for X-Men books. It's like it's you know, it's like putting Spider-Man in something, anything Marvel, basically. You you I actually didn't notice that. I didn't notice that reading the the Gambit series. But now that is a really good point of yeah. Wolverine's like role. Like literally, like literally most of what he's doing <laughs> is telling people like, no, we should stay out of this. Yeah. Like he's, yeah. every yeah. time something comes up, he's like, he's like, you want me to go get him? No, this is, you know, Gambit's like, this is a family business. And then Wolverine's just, okay, we should stay out of it. He yeah, looks at yeah. Rogue and he's like, we should stay out of it. And he's, he's like, yeah. <laughs> he's basically like, I could do something, but I'm just going to stay out of this one. Like, it's just, <laughs> there's a lot of him saying that. I didn't even notice that, but now you brought that up. It's a good and, point. And they reference something and they're like, yeah, check. And they had the editor's note, like, check Wolverine issue, like, 162 or something like that, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. they were like, these events happened before Wolverine number, you know? Yeah, yeah. And also exactly. in the first issue, they're in the, uh, they're in the danger room. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Gambit, Gambit and Rogue presumably haven't been fully fully admitted into the x-men no no not yet they're putting them through the danger room they're seeing if they can handle being part of the x-men and wolverine and storm are in the control room and uh wolverine is of course doing what he does smoking cigar yeah and i noticed that and i was like isn't him smoking cigar in the danger room control room isn't that damaging the equipment Probably. Is he damaging? Yeah. He doesn't care. He's Wolverine. He, he, yeah, he doesn't he's, care. He's been around. For, I mean, he, he was born in the 1800s, you know. He's right. been around for, at this point, at least 100 years, you know. He's just, he's older than Captain America, you know. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he's like, this This equipment was, it wasn't here when I was, I was here before this equipment, and I'll be here after this equipment. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if they were actually, I feel like this is definitely not that long after Gambit, but this is obviously enough where Gambit had become like a big enough character for them to be like, okay, let's do its own series. Yeah, they did. I, so I, th- I feel like they did the, um, the four issue run. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of more or less giving him yeah giving him his own outlet but also doing an origin story but yeah. backwards like yeah everything you're learning is in retrospect in the all throughout all the issues mm-hmm. like between him and his family his marriage to belladonna of course mm-hmm. in later comics and later series 
after 93, they explore that way more. Belladonna actually becomes a major character in the X-Men universe. Not like X-Men proper, but in the expanded universe, as does um, Kandra, who's... Yeah, well, she's one of the externals. She's one of the externals, which... When I when I re- I've read this series because you know I owned it so I read it like so many times it was one of my favorite series to just read over and over just because of how contain self contained it is yeah. and how like rich the story was but I never explored like I never understood the significance of the externals or Kandra yeah. until I read it this time past and then yeah. I was like oh shit there's like a whole like this is part of a whole nother. Mm-hmm like bigger universe of like these like and this this like antithesis to the x-men where they're like kind of more powerful yeah than the x-men and they're like fucking running shit and they get there's also (laughs) in the first issue Mm -hmm. there's a scene where gamma's chasing down the assassins and julian shows up yeah Right, which Julian, by the way, one of the reasons I love this series is because Julian is such a great um, villain. Yeah. He's a villain to all sides. Mm-hmm. The assassins and the thieves. Like, he's somebody that nobody likes, and he's going around just for him. So, that's why he's a great villain. But so, they all show up, and uh, Gambit and, and Julian have that rematch of the duel where yeah. Julian throws himself on the sword to, like, prove that he's, like, can't die or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they... And then, without much reaction from any of the characters, they open a portal. Yeah, and go back to New Orleans through the portal. Yep. And everybody, and everybody's just like, "All right, okay, they're gone. <laughs> they're 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 disappeared now." But I'm reading it like, "Yo, they just opened a portal." Yeah, but this is after stuff like the Dark Phoenix Saga happened, Days of Future Past. I mean, X Men is is probably one of the like for as far as Marvel goes. With the exception of like the huge, you know, the whole overall like cosmic universe of Marvel, X and the X Men are part of the cosmic universe of Marvel. They're just like right. the most high sci-fi. Because like you have Spider Man and he's done a little bit. I mean, he's dealt with things here and there, but like, and you have all these other characters. But like X Men is just like Marvel just went off the wall with like every form of of science fiction you could possibly do, basically. Right. Um, Jamie Carvone was telling me is like if 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 they do another time travel storyline, it will be too soon though, because <laughs> it just seems like they're. I mean, like I don't know if you know about this though. Right now, apparently the X Men are living now on on Mars. They were on Krakoa for a while. Oh, you mean in the current storyline? In the current line storylines, yeah, they're apparently. on Mars. They're on Mars. They like. Well, thank you, Elon they've, Musk. They've terraformed Mars, and now, okay. yeah. <laughs> I feel like Elon Musk has something to do with that storyline. I say maybe it's a uh, middle finger to Elon Musk. It's like we did it first. <laughs> you can't do it now. It's <laughs> Elon Musk has has gotten to the X Men, and now they're living on Mars. I think it's funny because like Elon Musk's whole like outlook of it is like, yeah, so a bunch of you are gonna die. Anyone who goes there, you're dead. Like, you're probably not going to have a long life, but yeah, but let's get some people on Mars. Yeah. His pitch was like, you're going to be part of history, but you definitely are going to die building, yeah. building the, um, building the settlement on Mars. Like <laughs> you're going to be an important part of history, Yeah, but most, if not all of you are going to die. Yeah. It's, it doesn't make a lot of sense 
to me because it seems like Mars is already kind of a dead planet for the most part. Like there's a lot of evidence that Mars has already been at one time or another, possibly if not like earth similar to earth, because there's evidence that there was water there. There's yeah. all these things. So to me, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's like getting married to a corpse, you know, like you're <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to have a family with this corpse right now. <laughs> Right. Unless you gave that corpse the elixir of life. The, yes. Yes. That's a big part of the storyline. It's a huge part of the storyline. Yeah. Which um, has interesting effects depending on who it's used with, apparently. If it's used wrong. Right. Because that's the part of the storyline for Julian is that he he's alive because of the elixir of life, but his life is all fucked up. Um. And he, like, it's affecting him negatively. Yeah. Like, he can't live a normal life. And he's all, he's dressed in all black and has got that mask on because, like, I, I, they don't really explain or show what he used to look like. But according yeah. to, like, you know, Gambit's reaction to seeing his face, he's all fucked up, I guess. Like, I guess he yeah. used to be handsome or something. Well, I mean, he's got, he definitely looks fucked up. He looks, he looks older. He looks like his hair is thinning quite a bit. Like, the art, uh, obviously the art is, is very good in this. Very good at 90s art. But like, yeah, the, the fact is you can see, it's like anytime you see someone who's just really trying to hang on to their hair, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just transparent at this point. Yeah. You know? There's like, there, yeah. Um, so, he's definitely, he's definitely been like scarred somehow or another. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The elixir is definitely, uh, uh, yeah. He does kind of look corpse-like, honestly. Yeah. 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 Like, he's, he's dying. He, he, well, it's also, they, they, they say he's going to die if he doesn't take it, it sounds like. Like, it's, so it's like, it's poisoned his body. It's had the, because it's supposed to give this, like, almost like immortal effect, but it has the exact opposite effect on him. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like a monkey's paw. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's like a monkey's paw. I think it's also like, he's, he's the result of what he is trying to, or what the assassins are trying to do. He's like the yeah. he's like the end result that they don't realize is going to happen because the assassins have the power mm -hmm. and the thieves the thieves have the um long longevity. They have yeah. like the long life. Assassins have the power, they have a long life. The assassins want both. Julian has both mm -hmm. and he can't survive cuz yeah. he's got the power and he's got the longevity, but it's like you can't I guess you can't have both cuz he's like all messed up and mm -hmm. obviously isn't like really thinking straight. And I'm wondering like, cause he wants to have more elixir. Is that even going to do anything? Like, is it just, or is it just kind of like, it's like heroin for him. That's kind of what it seems like it is. It seems like he's just strung out on the elixir. So yeah, I think he's fiending for it. And I think, I think also the fact that he's kind of died so many times is yeah. also probably another reason why the elixir, like the elixir, yeah, I wonder. That's interesting. I wonder if that is part of it. Because um, he, like he throws himself, he throws himself on a he he like gives he gives Gambit a sword. Yeah, in the in the first issue, and then he throws himself on it pretty much. Yeah, to like prove that like he <laughs> to yeah, prove yeah, that yeah. even if he dies, he's still alive. <laughs> I don't. He's, Something about that reminds me of uh, yeah, like every time every time they do like a 
like <laughs> like almost like an after school special style like episode of a cartoon. Like, do you remember that episode of uh, Batman Beyond when they were using those like pads? The like they were like patches or something. They looked like nicotine patches basically, and they were supposed to like give them powers, but they were like supposedly making them more like weak and weak each time they use them. Yeah, that, yeah. That makes me think of that. that like maybe it's every time he dies, he usually or he should die, he uses the elixir, and then it takes away from life force or something like that. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That might be what's that might be what's happening uh with with Julian. Mm-hmm. And uh um because I was trying to like I'm trying to like almost like intellectualize like maybe why like when you said that it made me think of like that's that could make sense as to why he looks so so messed up. So like why his 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 whole entire like yeah, everything. He's just corpse like. He's basically looks like someone who's who's like about to go to the coroner, and they they got to dress him up now. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, he's 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 overdosing on the elixir of life. He's he's consuming too much of it. Yeah, I think is what the thing is because with with Belladonna, it only took like. It only took a few a few drops. Yeah, it was like it was on, it, and it was a little bit that dripped on her blanket next to her. Yeah, so it was just like kind of squeezed it. Yeah, right. He wrung it out. <laughs> uh, Gambit wrung it out into her mouth as like a last ditch. Like, well, this is the elixir of life. This is all that's left. Let's see if it. You know, let's see what it ain't. So, so what I'm trying to. So what I'm curious of because uh, Rogue. Basically, her her ability is that she drains people's life force. She um, obviously with mutants, she takes her their powers temporarily. Um, with people, it seems like it's memories. I wonder if she's the reason. Is she the reason why Belladonna doesn't remember beforehand, or is that part of the elixir of life too? I, I'm curious. I don't know if you've read other things about her later. If she regains her memory or anything like that. Yeah. So what happens with Belladonna is. Rogue does so. Rogue, Rogue is like having like an existential crisis, which, yeah. which, which, by the way, Gambit looks like, you know, or you know, Rem, Remy Lebeau, <laughs> which is his name. Yeah, which I love. I love. I love that Gambit's name is Remy Lebeau, and that his family is the Lebeaus because it's yeah. it's that classic like French thing of sacre bleu, like. <laughs> and they were like, well, let's take the Lebeau part and make that their last. Make them just French as. French as fuck, you know. Yeah, he's Cajun. So um, yeah. <laughs> he's yeah, he's Cajun, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of Cajun. There's like you know, they're all part of the and at the end of the series. You, Gambit becomes a Cajun myth because yeah. the 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 tithe collector is like done basically. Yeah. Um, after that, but like Rogue Rogue gets such like she. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell this is a very 90s comic yeah. there is a little there is a little bit of um there is a a, a smidge of feminism yeah. in the comic but for the most part rogue completely side chicks herself yes like at the beginning of the comic remy's like don't like you, this is my family business don't you the stuff you don't want to know about me and also my wife yeah my <laughs> wife is down there and then she's like <laughs> yeah. she's like no, I'm coming with you, sugar. I don't, you know, I'm a, I'm a bee by <laughs> yeah. your side. She completely side chicks herself. And yeah. it's like, yo, you're going to have a problem being around his, like if his wife is around, you're going <laughs> to. Because he's still like, he thought his wife was dead. And he's, he's, yeah, he's going there to rekindle 
his like hopefully bring his life back to life and rekindle his relationship with her. Right. She, <laughs> Rogue's love for Gambit isn't going to fucking matter. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 And he's completely like. There's so many scenes where he's like completely leading her on, but the, at the last second, kind of just like being like, "Yeah, I got, I got business. I got it. Like, you know, I got." I, I love yeah. the fact that she tells him he, he, she loves him, and he's like, "Hey, I'm not. I can't. I don't care. I don't know what you're saying right now. I'm trying to bring my wife back to life." Basically, and she says it. Yeah, she says it. Uh, I think when she says it, he doesn't even hear it. Yeah, because she's she's kind of like, "I, I, lo- I love you." Okay, and, and that but makes sense. That makes sense. But yeah. he's like, so she has this like existential crisis because basically, like Gambit mm-hmm. realizes that Belladonna is she's not fully alive, but she's yeah. not dead. Like she's basically like kind of in a coma in a yeah. way, right? But she's here, like she's not dead. So he's like, he's like, holy shit! Like I have to go see my uh, see my father and see the yeah. thieves and try to get the elixir of life to bring her fully back to life. Can you do me a favor real quick, Rogue, <laughs> X-Men, who's my teammate, also in yeah. love with me, followed me all the way to New Orleans, even though... She's she's simping hard in this. She's super simping hard. And he's like, yo, watch my wife. Yeah. You watch her. Yeah. I'm going to be back. I got to go <laughs> talk to my father and the thieves. You watch her, though. Yeah. So then Rogue's just standing there looking at like an in coma yeah. wife of Gambit, Belladonna, and being like, being like, should I touch? Should I touch? That's that's what's really funny about her. You were talking about her being a side chick. Yeah. She doesn't really have a lot to do in this. She's just, it's like, it's like, well, Rogue has a connection to, to Gambit. So let's just kind of have her in there. Like, if they'd never had, aside from the fact of when the, uh, you said the Tithe Collector, is that his name right? Yeah, the Tithe Collector. The Tithe Collector towards the end when he, like, uh, uh, what's the word? He ambushes me, uh, uh, Gambit at the end. Yeah. That, and then the combination of just her watching the body, there's really not, it really is, like, kind of, kind of back, like, this is this is definitely before. Um, do you know about the 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 uh, the fridge with uh, with Green Lantern? No, I don't know about the fridge. So the fridge is this term where they use a, they basically just use, would use women have something really bad happen to women as a plot device for a male character to like have a reason to do something. Oh. So in this case, it was um, uh, the specific uh, situation was uh, I'm trying to the name of it's not Hal Jordan. It's the Kyle Rayner. Kyle Rayner had a girlfriend who one of the villains cut her up her body and put her like body in the fridge in pieces. Yeah. And that was a whole situation of like now he's like angry enough and he's going to go after the villain. And it's like and um. I don't remember her name, but she's a comic book writer now, and that was her thing. She wrote a letter to DC of, like, I'm really tired of seeing female characters essentially just have these very passive roles and oftentimes just killed for the sake of a plot device. Right. Like, just as a reason to give a male character a reason to to be more stoic and, you know, save the day, you know. <laughs> um, I don't remember her name now. I know she's, she's a really famous writer, but... Uh, so this is definitely like 93 would definitely because I think the incident I'm talking about was like 95, 96, something like that. So like this is definitely back when it was still like 
very okay to have female characters just kind of like kind of like a uh, like a little uh like mental piece character basically yeah. or, or situation yeah I, I mean they do give rogue a few moments where there's like you know gambit is kind of outmatched in a in a few scenarios mm-hmm. and rogue does like come in you know crash through the wall and just yeah. like kick kick everyone's ass well and- along with gambit and I should specify too, uh, Chris Claremont, the guy who he didn't create the X Men, but he he defined the X Men. So he cre- he did the Uncanny. He did he started with um, like so I think Lane Wynn did, uh, wrote uh, Giant Size X Men, but he still he created a lot of characters such as Rogue. Actually, as a character created, he carried he he had this whole thought process of like if he's creating a new character, could this character be a woman? Could that you know he was actually he had a lot of feminist ideas so it's like I'm saying this but it's also talking about like a, a era where like before it was really popular to have uh, prominent three dimensional three D uh, you know female characters X Men was doing this kind of stuff so it's like kind of teeter tottering about this a little bit but yeah yeah it is it is for sure um, I mean there I mean for '93 there are some pretty like. For 1993, mm-hmm. the female characters in the Gambit series are pretty like strong. I mean, yeah. Kandra, I mean, come on. She's <laughs> even if she is wearing essentially like a like she kind of looks like a sex worker a little bit. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> got to sell comics. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Rogue Rogue has they, they give her this dilemma where she's yeah. standing over Belladonna and she's like. She wants to know what it's like to be the object of Gambit's affection. Yeah. And she's like, should I, should I touch him? Should I, no, I shouldn't do it. I should, like yeah. she, she decides on not doing it. And then I guess like Belladonna like convulses. Yep. And then like grabs her arm when she's got her gloves off. She got her, she has her gloves off cause she's like about to do it. But then she's yeah. like, nah, I shouldn't, yeah. I shouldn't, I don't want to do that. Cause she knows, like you said, she knows that she can take She'll take memories. Yes. So when Belladonna grabs her, all of a sudden she, because she's already thinking about it, because Rogue's mm-hmm. already thinking about it, she just like kind of sucks out all the memories of her, of Belladonna and uh, Remy together. Yeah. And, and which I'm sure leads to Rogue, like, I'm sure that there's an essence of this where they become as if they were her own memories. So the emotions connected to them, even though she already had this uh, attraction and love and, and was developing this uh, um, infatuation and love for Gambit. I'm sure that it just like increased tenfold from having all those emotions of someone else's love for him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's, that's also, um, and it definitely wasn't the elixir of life that took away Belladonna's memories. It was it was rogue because yeah. later after the Gambit series, mm-hmm. Belladonna actually starts to get those memories back. Okay. And she does like try to seek out Remy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't I wasn't sure if it was like a Lazarus Pit situation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know much about the Lazarus Pit in the comics, but like when someone comes back, they, they might have their memories, but they get they get, get like really wild for a little while because it intensifies everything and they might forget stuff for a short period of time. Right. So I wasn't sure if that was the kind of situation or if it was like by different rules. Yeah. The way it worked in uh in this yeah, in the this specific X-Men universe is that Rogue did take the memories. 
But then Belladonna starts getting them back a little bit later when Belladonna starts become to become more of a developed character. Okay. Um, I need to read more X-Men in the 90s because yeah. I know I know a lot of the X-Men. Um, I I didn't get I didn't get uh, access to a lot of comic books early on. So I think new like one of the more famous ones that I read was the Joss Whedon run pretty early on. Okay. I read that and I read New X-Men not that long afterwards, which actually was the run before that. So there's a lot of this stuff that happened beforehand that I read bits and pieces of, but it's there's so much mythology within the X-Men that like I I think maybe I got uh, exposed to some of Remy's storyline in the cartoon from the 90s because I watched all of that and they do kind of deal with this stuff a little bit. Yeah, they touch on it a little bit. Yeah. But so this this is interesting. I like I like hearing from you because it seems like you have a lot. You read a lot more of the stuff. So yeah, I mean, Gambit was one of my definitely one of my favorites. Uh, one of my favorite X Men characters um, and somebody that I was interested in. So I think that's what really drew me to the series when I saw it was was out. I was like, oh yeah, this is exactly what I want to know about. Yeah, um, the Gambit series. And it gives you all of the lore with the like tithe collector, and then that's kind of related to the externals because the mm. the assassin's guild and the thieves guild are both really just being contracted by yeah. the externals to kind of like do their bidding so they can get power and the elixir of life for each side and it really it's it's funny because they really made gambit's backstory is very very like romeo and juliet Makes sense. Yeah. It's very Romeo and Juliet. I mean, yeah, her father, uh, who is who, that's where Gambit finds Belladonna is out of the home of her father, uh, and he doesn't seem to have a very high opinion of, uh, <laughs> of well, Gambit her, at the time. Her father is her father is part of the Assassins Guild. Yeah, exactly, and he's a thief, and he's so. a thief. Thieves, <laughs> yeah. Ro- this is Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. Very Romeo and Juliet. That's that's <laughs> a yeah. thief marrying an assassin. How dare they? I mean, she's Belladonna is technically an assassin and they do kind of like will refer back to that like later in yeah. her development because she is technically an assassin, even mm-hmm. though that she, you know, even though she gets married to Gambit and like, yeah, the two fit the, the assassins and the thieves, they, you know, they hate each other. And the, but then there's that pact. Yeah. With the tithe collector where they kind of stay out of each other's way so they can get the rewards mm-hmm. from from the collector and from ultimately uh Kandra. So with it seems like I don't know if the collector dies in this or if he was just like knocked out. Yeah, I I I'm not sure if he shows up again because Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not sure if he if he makes another appearance. He he they don't make it so he's not he's not an external per se. Yeah. But he's definitely almost as powerful as one mm-hmm. for sure. Cause like he holds back through almost the entire series until the end when yeah. he shows up in front of Gambit and was like, Kandra, Kandra told me I could kill you and every like Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's like supercharged. Yeah, and there's like this uh this effect where they have where everything kind of looks um it almost looks cosmic. You know, like how everybody's affected. They're all like, there's this energy surrounding both Rogue and uh, 
and Belladonna, and it, it almost looks like they were about to explode because it made me think a little bit of actually of Gambit's powers himself when he like touches the uh, when he touches cards or something like that, and they're about to be you know. Yeah, I think I think the Tithe Collector has that um, that Gambit ability of the yeah being able to charge something with an mm-hmm. insane amount of energy to and to be be able to charge objects because I think. I mean, it, it seems like they kind of allude that like Gambit is he was he was born a thief, yeah, but he's not exactly a thief. He's in between, yes, because they keep at certain points in the series they're like, ah, oh, you're you're really like you're really actually kind of an assassin because like <laughs> some of the ways he acts, yeah, or some of the stuff he does, and like the thieves save for his father, mm-hmm. um, don't really accept him. I mean, they try no. to freaking kill him like three times. They're like, you betrayed us, you know? And I mean, he does, he does betray both of them by trying to get the elixir. So I'm trying to figure out with, um, because I was reading this, but it, it's, I was reading on, I have something, something about when I read, um, like, like, uh, digital comics versus when I'm reading, like, physical, I don't pick up as much for some reason. Mm-hmm. It's just something about how I learn or something like that. But these were the, um, the guys with the red masks, were they, were they part of, uh, the assassins or thieves or was it, uh, what's her name? Uh, the external, I forgot her name all of a sudden. Uh, Kandra? Kandra, yeah. yeah. I want to keep, I want to say Kalandra for some reason, but I'm like, there's no L in there. Kanandra. Kanandra. <laughs> Pretty sure it's Kandra. Kandra, that sounds right. I think, yeah, I think so. The The guys in the red, the red masks and the suits, those are the assassins. Assassins. And then the thieves are in green and they don't wear masks. Okay, so what's really cracking me up about that is um, that the assassins, the way they were designed really reminded me of Jim Lee. Cause have you ever seen Wildcats? No, I haven't seen Wildcats. Okay. It's a comic book that he created for image comics. Um, right. Right. When image came out, when they had the exodus from Marvel, basically and, and all this stuff, uh, there's a character named grifter that looks like almost exactly like the assassins. It's like, yeah, let me pull this up for you. I'm going to show you this. Cause this is, this is really funny to me. Um, also one thing I noticed right off the bat, rereading the gambit series is that in the opening in the opening scene of the series where the the tithe collector is introduced because he's the first character introduced in the series when he's walking up to the oh my gosh that yeah that <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah well the yeah. mask for sure yeah that's what i was that's that's why i was like when but I saw yeah that, he, I yeah like, he does yeah. look like an assassin yeah. Wow. Well, and he is an assassin in the comics. Oh, comics, boy. But it's a concept of Maybe like, they didn't look a little closely at that. <laughs> I guess Marvel just let him have it. Well, the first appearance was in 1982. So, this oh. that was before this. So, that was like that thing where like things are very reminiscent. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. When they... So, <laughs> at the beginning of the series where they bring in the Tithe Collector, there's a scene and I didn't even like... Every time I've read it, except for this past time, I never even thought about it. I never thought about that the two guys that the Tithe Collector talks to at the very beginning of the series, yeah. they're thieves. Okay. They're thieves. And what, what are they doing during the opening series? They're robbing a random woman. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I was reading that when I was rereading it. I was yeah. like, what the f-? It's like they're not, <laughs> there's no honor amongst thieves. That's, <laughs> that's really what it is. Yeah. 
it i was like and when i read it when i was a kid it never like crossed my mind number one that they were thieves i thought that they were just random dudes Mm -hmm. but no they're thieves they're part of the thieves guild because that's why the tithe collector is appearing and talking to them because he's like send a message to your you know family it's almost time to tithe do the you know yeah uh (laughs) and yeah there the frame there's like there's just like a woman there that they're like i guess robbing yeah (laughs) yeah i guess they're they're some of the like are they yeah like i would think thieves go i guess like are they just petty thieves like (laughs) do they do heists like what what is their range is what i'm curious of now yeah, I don't know if they're like initiated or not. Maybe they're random thieves because they're not dressed mm-hmm. in green. Because most of the most of the thieves guild are like mm-hmm. dressed in green, and they have these like weird um, armor suit jackets. Yeah, that they're all wearing, and um, especially since it's a '90s comic, so everybody's got to have a costume. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was what was so funny to me is yeah, like more modern day comics when you show characters that are just kind of hanging out at the mansion and they're not actually like out to do uh you know the x-men stuff they just kind of hang on regular like civilian clothes so like you see yeah you saw you saw uh storm and she's got the full on like if you've seen the cartoon from the 90s you know exactly what it is rogues the same thing you can you can tell this is that same era because like they're they're just wearing their like you said with wolverine like he might have his mask off and that's it that's it yeah Yeah. he's got his mask (laughs) off with a cigar Although it is, it, it is interesting to think about. So the thieves, the thieves are are in green. They're in these like green armor jacket things, and the assassins are in yeah. red. Yeah. So it's like a green red. <laughs> you kind of feel like it. Kind of makes visually, you're kind of like, oh, okay. So the thieves are like, they're like the good ones, yeah. I guess, and the assassins are the bad one. But they're both bad. Well, green also could be greed. That's true. Yeah, the thieves are greedy. Yeah, they're greedy. And then red is rage. You know, it's like. Red is rage. That's true. Yeah. It could be like, like they could very well be just doing like an actual like colorscape for moods, which could make sense, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That is, it's, it's also interesting the way that they handled it because so Julian is, he's, he's an assassin. So, so Remy it comes from the thieves. Yeah. But he's kind of in between. Julian comes from the assassins. He's also in between because he's okay. like an agent. He's like an agent of he wants to be an agent of change. Yes. But the assassins don't want they want him to not most like Beldana's um father, who's mm-hmm. the head of the assassins, and also Julian's father, yep. doesn't want anything to do with him. Thinks that he's like an in like an inhuman mm-hmm. kind of demon. Like he he's like you're not even my son. Like my son died. Yeah, he's like he's an exile at this point. So Julian Julian is he's like the antithesis to Gambit in the mm-hmm. in the series. But the way they handle him towards the end of the series is that he is getting weaker and weaker because he doesn't yeah. have the elixir of life. So instead of there being this giant battle mm-hmm. between Gambit. And Julian, which they fight a few times. Yeah. But at the end, it's more like Julian, he's got his mask off. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like, please, I just want the elixir. I want to try the elixir. Like, Well, and he sabotages Gambit, too, because like Gambit was mixing it, and he said there might even be enough for you. 
if you it's like if you just give yeah. me time and he, he gets like greedy in that moment and, and he tries to like, he tries to grab it with his yeah. giant claw hands yeah <laughs> which then just causes the vial to just break and then the elixir spills and yeah you know, Ca- yeah it causes causes the shattering and uh uh i i mean really the really the the bigger i guess you could say villain would be would be kandra mm-hmm. with um you know since she's behind all of it but then there's that really <laughs> again yeah 90s 90s x-men you have that whole sequence of kandra with she's got the vial yeah right i think they all go to paris because they're trying to get because they disappear yeah so the tithe collector disappears back to paris because that's where kandra is with the last vial the last elixir of life Mm -hmm. so julian is like well we're gonna go track him down and and obviously gambit's like well i'm gonna track him down yeah so they all show up and kandra's got the last vial and she's there with the tithe collector who's just like kind of just bleeding everywhere yeah but he's who knows what kind like what kind of powers he has or whatever going on but he's yeah he's kind of just chilling she's got the last vial Kandra so I don't know much I don't know if they even explore their backstory that much in the X-Men series no it seemed it seemed like I mean who knows I don't know <laughs> so so Kandra I I guess she lives in Paris okay because her her and Gambit, her and Remy talk about their history in Paris. Yeah. Because they reminisce. It it seems like, I mean, part of it, it seemed like there was assumed knowledge beforehand, or maybe they were just starting to introduce these characters for bigger arcs to go on forward. Right. Because they do that a lot. I mean, that's... You know, same thing. I mean, this 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 miniseries reminded me a lot of the Deadpool miniseries that they first really like after they had already introduced him in the New Mutants when they actually like made him into a character that had a backstory and like all this other stuff. They go back and give him more fleshed out material. So, I mean, it's you know, it makes sense that they they did this in this miniseries to sort of be like, okay. If this uh, if this miniseries sells really well, we'll explore more into these characters. Right? Yeah, because they have a his they they refer to like a history that they had in Paris. So, prop most I guess most likely pre Belladonna. Yeah, he's like Remy at some. Well, they, they make out at one point, don't they? They do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll see. So that's the thing of the whole sequence. She's got the last vial, right? Yeah. And she's wearing, like you said, she's wearing kind of like sex worker ish revealing but it's also kind of armor yeah too. well it's like it's the concept of like where like it looks like she's almost kind of like wearing she's wearing like a a a, a, a thong basically <laughs> with uh and then like she's got a cape and kind of a bra but her stomach is shown yeah like it's very once again it's like it's like almost like a burlesque show or something like that you know it it does look very burlesque it yeah. does look very burlesque her like armor outfit so she has the last vial she's wearing that outfit and then she kind of like she kind of like opens the, mm-hmm. she doesn't like it's not like she's taking her top off but she yeah. kind of like opens her the top of her like armor outfit whatever takes the vial and just like Puts it like drops it between yeah. her boobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she looks at she she looks straight at yeah she looks straight at Remy and she like drops it down there because they've got that history. Yeah, and she's like tantalizing him to get closer or whatever. So then they 
he eventually kind of like is is kind of trying to he does a lot of romancing in this yeah. series yeah. so he's kind of like romancing her and he like he like swings her down like like their ballroom dancing or something yeah. and gets close to her and, and kisses her and stuff and at the end of the at the end of the sequence when Gambit's already gone. Yeah. She's talking to the tithe collector. She looks down her, her yeah, and armor gone. bra and she's like, he took the vial. Yeah. <laughs> he took well, he the is vi- a thief. He is a he's, thief. He's, he's a thief. Yeah. He's very sneaky. He's very sneaky. But that whole sequence, yeah. that whole sequence was very like, all right, okay. Yeah. She's trying to do like a weird, I'm a villain, but I'm also, there's yeah. also like sexual tension. Mm-hmm sequence of like oh you want this you gotta come get it like you know in a sexual way and then and then yeah and then he takes the he romances her and you're like oh but then he takes the vial so it's all like it all has every every one thing i do like about the series is every Mm -hmm. sequence has a a reason it's happening yeah every sequence has like a like a a nice like checkoff's gun like there is something else yeah. happening in this sequence. Well, and that's nice with uh, having only four issues versus like a mini series that might or a regular series that goes on because, you know, eventually you start getting filler and all this other stuff. You might have those. It can't, I mean, there's an issue of, of X-Men where all the girls go shopping at one point, <laughs> you know, so like <laughs> having having this stuff where it's very concise and 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 self-contained is i mean because you could read this without knowing anything else about a, a gambit yeah although it definitely has that sort of like you know once you know it's it's that lure you know it's like look read more x-men you were like this read more x-men right know? yeah it's funny you brought up the shopping because one of the uh because that happened because they did that in the comics mm-hmm. and one of the most um one of the most vivid memories i have of the original animated series yeah is an episode (laughs) where all of the female x-men are shopping in the mall yeah and then the sentinels at some point the sentinels break that's like the first episode it's the first episode right yeah yeah yeah. well that's why it's vivid i guess because it's the first it was the first episode but yeah (laughs) so they literally open with like they open the x-men animated series with like yeah, they're X-Men, they're mutants, they're powerful, but women would still be shopping, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they always be shopping. And here's them shopping, and then the Sentinels are yeah. going to be like, you're spending too much money. <laughs> it's the trust fund Sentinels, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy Xavier sent the, you know, got mad. Uh, yeah. No, that's I, yeah. So I am, I am glad that it, that it was like a limited series and they kind of had to make everything count. So there's not like, there's not a part of the comic where they're like, oh, well, let's go to the museum. <laughs> <laughs> Experience the, the, the rich culture of New Orleans. Well, you know. <laughs> they were going to have that fifth issue where it was literally just a tour guide showing you why you need to go to New Orleans and on Mardi Gras. But, you know, they uh, they they were like, we got it. We don't have enough paper. That's what it was. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 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 That is a, that is a weird thing about like the way. So I I never even thought about it. But when I read it, when I read it this past time. It made me think about it a little bit the way yeah. that they portray the way that they portray 
New Orleans is very like desolate. Yeah. Very like this city used to be lively mm-hmm. and now it's like a ghost town. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, everything about this screams 90s gritty. Like even the X-Mansion, everything about it, the colorscapes, there's not a lot of bright. The color palette is so, um, it's a lot of subdued colors and there's this sort of gloom overwhelming everything that's going on. Yeah. Um, Especially at the beginning, especially with the X-Mansion. And you're also reminding me how unceremoniously we get introduced and then see Henry LeBeau yeah. die. Mm-hmm. Like, very brief. Gambit does, he does get upset about it, but as soon as he hears about Belladonna, yeah. literally until he just like offhandedly mentions to his father that Henry is dead. Mm-hmm. Like offhandedly, but he doesn't really talk about Henry except before he knows about Belladonna maybe still being alive. But I guess like Henry getting shot by a hail of arrows from assassins, it doesn't really motivate Gambit to go back. (laughs) It's it's yeah, yeah. Isn't it? It's literally just his wife is 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 is, is, is it could be alive. Yeah, it's really it's, it's really just Belladonna and Henry. Henry is like a he's a messenger, right? Yeah. But I don't know. Reading that, I was kind of like, I mean, you guys are brothers. You don't have his phone number. Yeah. <laughs> this, I you mean, can't call the mansion. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you got to slip past the security? Yeah. <laughs> Because they're thieves. Everything's got to be theatrical. Yeah, I guess. That's true. It's a comic. Henry LeBeau. And I honestly, I I don't really think that you see any more of him. I think that's his only appearance. Just that? Yeah, just that. Getting So he's a plot device. That's really, yeah. But he's like, (laughs) you would think he's a bigger character. He would be a bigger character because he's freaking Remy's brother. Yeah, you would think so. I don't know. I mean, it's still, but be- I guess it is better than having a panel of him just being like, like on the phone holding like a '90s t- uh, uh, like you know home phone landline where he's just like has his fingers curled in the, uh, <laughs> yeah, in the wire and just like just just waiting for he's like just leaves a, vo- a message on the on the on the X Men voicemail and then it's like two weeks later because they were in the Savage Land or something like that and it's like. <laughs> This is a lot more impactful to have him die and and like give I don't know just open a portal apparently so yeah yeah he is, so he is he is used as bait I don't know if the I don't know if the assassins were chasing him all the way from New Orleans to yeah. the to the X mansion uh, but he is used as bait because when Gambit goes after the assassins that yeah. killed Henry uh, he comes face to face with Julian. Mm-hmm. So he is Henry is uses bait to get yeah. Gambit to see Julian again, and then it kind of starts that whole thing. And I think so. Then Julian, I think, also mentions Belladonna, which is what sets yeah. the whole thing off. 
But yeah, I guess Henry is just used as a quick plot device to get Gambit to leave the mansion. And that's, I mean, uh, you know, you got to have, as, as when you're writing stuff, you got to, you got to have it, you got to have an intriguing intro. You got to have that thing. You got to, you got to have the, uh, like, you know, like the hook. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense. Um, so we're getting kind of, yeah, about hour 20 minutes almost right here. Um, so I, uh, I usually ask, uh, let's see here. Uh, on a, on a scale of one to 10, uh, I'm trying to think of like, a, uh, <laughs> I don't know, scale of one to 10, uh, car, uh, energy cards. What would you ca- uh, give this, uh, mini series? <laughs> one to 10 energy cards. Yeah. Charged up his energy cards. They're like, they're not paper, right? They're like metal. Yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah. I always thought they were metal. Yeah. But he can also do paper. I guess paper wouldn't hurt that much. No. Uh, one to ten energy cards. What would I give this series? Um, I would. Can we do like? Can we do half cards? Yeah. If we can tear the card in half, you can tear the tear the card in half. <laughs> you know. I uh, would get. I I honestly would give it. I mean, keep in mind ninety three. So mm-hmm. that's where the standard is. You know, it wasn't like. I mean, this is ninety three. This is before even prestige television. This is before. Um, this is before the the really, you know, Dark Horse and a lot of the other mm-hmm. um, comic makers really were like, okay, we're going to go all out yeah. with story and everything. So, keeping that in mind, I would give it, I would probably give it like a strong like 7.5 cards, maybe even 8 cards. That's fair. Yeah, I would, I would, I would say about, yeah, I would give it probably about a 7. Uh, out of out of ten myself, um, just because you are saying that, but there are things like uh, the Sandman was around this time. You had like Alan Moore Swamp Thing before True. this. You did have like these very like there was sort of this renaissance of comic creativity that was that was definitely starting to spark at this time. But at the same time, it's it's still very solid. The artwork is still really really good. It's definitely a little bit of an artifact of its time for sure. Yes, for yeah. sure. Like, if someone tried to tell a story in this exact way now, it probably wouldn't fly, but, you know. Yeah, I do like that they do take, they do take situations and and scenes that could be, that could be, end in a very cliche Mm. manner. Yes. That that could end in a very, like, oh, well, of course, Remy, Remy got the girl, or Remy romanced this, or like, oh, now that they're having a romance, there is a lot of not there there is a lot of places where there's not reciprocation in situations yeah. that could be cliche and the and the whole ending of the series is very like yeah it's not a happy ending it's not a happy ending belladonna belladonna is she she comes back to life out of the coma she doesn't remember gambit at all she doesn't remember remy at all and rogue doesn't say anything to uh to gambit mm-hmm. about what happened about the fact that she now has knowledge of their entire relationship and marriage and everything. She doesn't say yeah. any of that. She just goes, you know, because <laughs> Gambit, a little bit of a toxic masculinity when Belladonna like doesn't remember him and he's just yeah. like, oh, I'm I'm a friend. He literally walks away, looks yeah. at Rogue and is like, all right, Cher, that's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. He gives up so easily. I guess it's time for uh, you and me to get a little, uh, you know, is he? <laughs> immediately, yeah. like... 
And, you know, <laughs> Rogue does side chick herself and then immediately yeah. is like, you know, he's like, all right, well, my friggin uh, wife over there doesn't remember me. So you and me, let's. And then yeah. so Rogue having all that knowledge freaking flies away. Yeah. Freaking runs away. And then game is like, well, I did all that and uh, I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which good for Rogue, you know? Good good yeah. for Rogue. That was a good move because she's like, she thinks about all the memories. Yeah. And also it is serious fuckboy move by Gambit to just kind of turn around and be like, all right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, he's he is, he is definitely a fuckboy. He is very much a fuckboy. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, so yeah, Rogue gets out of the situation and it's 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 an ending that like in ni- in 93, you could have yeah. easily been like Rogue could have been like, oh, let's go to the park or like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, now they're now they're going to go on a date. Yeah. But none of that happens. Everybody freaking leaves. The pact is broken. Yeah. The tithe collector is who knows where. Kandra's somewhere in Paris pissed off. Mm-hmm. Both the assassins and the thieves are kind of hate Remy mm-hmm. and he betrayed them. Um, but the leader of the assassins has Belladonna back. Yeah. And the thieves, I don't know. The thieves really seem like the worse off because. Yeah. I guess, I think Remy's father survives. Yeah. I'm trying to remember now. I'm trying to remember if his. Because uh... it seemed to more focus on the, towards the assassins, towards the end of it. Mm-hmm. There was a lot less focus on the thieves in this storyline than there was on the assassins. And then so. Yeah, and so the ending is just really Gambit just by himself walking through the streets of yeah. New Orleans, becoming that new legend. They say, yeah, that and he's he's one, not allowed to come back to Louisiana. No, too. yeah, no. They're like, you you betrayed us. You have yeah. to leave. You can't come back. You have no claim to any of this. And then it ends with like, you know, it's that tale late at night that mamas tell their yeah. kids to scare them while they're on their knees. <laughs> the Gambit. So it's like. It's a full circle because it yeah. begins with the tithe collector being kind of a myth, kind of a legend. And then mm-hmm. it ends with Gambit being the myth, the legend, yeah. the guy who broke the pact. The yeah. Ancient pact. So it did end in a way it, it ended in a way that wasn't typical, which is why I gave it like 7.5. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's solid for sure. Borderline eight. But it also has a lot of problems that. Yeah. Know. Well, that's what I mean. I'm not saying like, I mean, you could. You could still do it. It just would be different, you know, obviously. Definitely Kandra would have a different outfit. I would say that. (laughs) I don't know, though. I mean, have you seen uh, Emma Frost? Even modern day Emma Frost? Oh, yeah. (laughs) But I think she's got less revealing, but she's still pretty revealing clothing. Uh, So I'm going to shift gears here a little bit. Uh, So normally... so. Normally, I ask about like how you got introduced into comics and all that stuff, but it seems like that was sort of like the the grocery store kind of situation. Were there any other like um, other things from when you were a kid, like cartoons or anything like that, that were like really impactful that kind of made um, sort of further or helped you get it really into that kind of stuff at the time? Or yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, we already brought it up, but the. Uh the X-Men animated series, yeah. which was a huge part of, you know, me being interested in that. Um, although I realized very quickly when I started reading comics mm-hmm. that the, you know, the comics were like 10 levels above any, any. Oh, absolutely. Any animated, any series or mm-hmm. whatever. Like they were mature, but not mature at a level that when you're a kid, you, 
you can't understand. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, definitely atypical adult relationships because they're, yeah. especially for the X-Men, they're all mutants. <laughs> um, so, you know, but uh, I would also say the Batman. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The Batman animated series, which is like considered classic now. Like it still holds up so well. A benchmark. In fact, I did see the Batman in, in theaters. Mm -hmm. Um and there were a lot of, I saw a lot of comparisons between the Batman mm -hmm. and uh, Mask of the Phantasm. I could see that. Yeah. For as far as like tone, style and everything. I think the Batman does a lot of different things that, yeah, that a lot of um, Batman series and movies haven't really touched on that much. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, freaking the Batman had, you know, Adam West references in it. Yeah. Like, which... While I was watching the theaters, kind of blew me away because I was like, wow, no Batman movies since the Adam West movies have even touched yeah. on like. So definitely the Batman animated series. And I did have I did own Mask of the Phantasm on VHS, mm -hmm. which if you grew up in the 90s, early 2000s, anything you owned on VHS is a movie you are very familiar with. Yes. <laughs> because yes. If, if you have it on VHS, it means you are watching it a lot. Well, because VHS tapes were like were pretty damn expensive. Too. They were, yeah, they were yeah. expensive. And um, I would say if you were going to have a night where you watched a movie, mm -hmm. you were going to go to your VHS VHS tape tower. Yep, your tower or your drawer and mm -hmm. pick a tape. So, Mask of the Phantasm that was huge. Um, also, the Spider Man series. Yeah, uh, there were multiple Spider Man series. Um, and then, you know, I dabbled with uh, Batman Beyond. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't really. Justice League was around, but I didn't really get too much into Justice League. It's good. It's it's a continuation of the Batman animated series. OK, I didn't get too much into Justice League. I didn't. I did. Yeah, I didn't really. I honestly, I think. Yeah, I mostly stuck with like X-Men, Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. I never really got into like any Avengers mm -hmm. stuff. Um, yeah. X-Men, Spider-Man, Batman, I think were my main, my main, my main ones. Yeah. So yeah. I kind of stuck around in that. And those are all, they're all solid and for the most part, still watchable today. Yeah. X-Men's X-Men is, is definitely got some cheesiness to it, but it's still, still oh, it's really super good. cheesy. And it's then they good. have a, they have a crossover with Spider-Man. Yeah. And they don't handle it that great. No, it's and I think those are Spider-Man episodes too. Those weren't X-Men episodes. Oh, was there Spider-Man episodes? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, cause, yeah, because they were running concurrently. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is really interesting because they had the cast from the X-Men cartoon, but they were aired as episodes of X-Men the animated series or Batman the animated or not Batman. Sorry, uh, Spider-Man. 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 Spider yeah, I just had one of those like brain fart moments. <laughs> and they had okay, yeah, they had the they had the crossover. So, so yeah, I would say, I would say those series really, <coughs> I went, I went between those and the comics. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> no, it's, it's no problem. You're all right. You're, uh, <laughs> by the way, uh, just uh, a programming note, um, that has nothing to do with, uh, with weed. It's literally uh, seltzer. It's uh, seltzer water. Yeah. <coughs> so sometimes the bubbles can, sometimes the bubbles can, uh, cause a reaction that's what happens with the bubbles <laughs> it happens <clears throat> just got like a weird 
Yeah, tickle right there. Gotta let my uh my my voice re- re- <laughs> Yeah. You have to reset your voice. It's a, yeah, you're good. You're good. Batman. Yeah, yeah. Batman was a, a huge one. Um and I honestly Batman was Batman is a, a franchise that I've read the least amount of comics from. I've seen the most. Yeah. Like visual media, but I've read the least amount of comics. I read a lot of Spider-Man, a lot of X-Men, of course, but I didn't read, I really didn't read that much Batman because with Batman, especially in throughout the 90s and early 2000s, they almost, it felt like almost, because I remember being in the grocery store, it felt like almost every week there were six or seven different Batmans. Yeah, there was... uh Cause I was reading, I read uh, what was it, um, the Nightfall stuff last year, uh, and oh, man, my voice is still kind of weird. So I read, yeah, I read the uh, the Nightfall stuff, and within it, there's like Shadow of the Batman, there's Batman, there's Detective Comics, there's like there's like two other ones that I can't remember what they were called, and they were all like tied together, and that was the worst part is like. When you have the crossover and you have to collect X, Y, Z, you know, and all this other stuff, and you you don't just have like the two main series, it's like it's a little bit too much, you know. It was a lot. I remember, I remember that was one thing I think that that didn't draw me super towards uh, the Batman comics is that when I would go to the grocery store and pick up comics, um, they would it would be a different Batman series, and then it would be you would look at it and you would be it would be like, oh, number nine of this series. And it's like, oh, I've never even seen number one of this series. And what happened to the series they had here last week? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, they were always in the middle of something. And I think that's what dissuaded me from really reading the comics. I mean, I viewed everything. I viewed all the Batman um, uh, multimedia as far as like visual stuff. (laughs) But, well, visual stuff. Comics are visual. (laughs) All right. Um, I get what you mean. I mean, like media, like television uh, movies, television movies. The Batman comics are visual. I realize that. But yeah, it, it, it whereas it seemed like X-Men and Spider-Man, they really stuck to only a few. X-Men got a little bit crazy, too. Though, they did get a little crazy. I was, yeah. was going to say, because there was X-Men, there was X-Factor. Uh, yeah. X-Force, <laughs> New Mutants, Excalibur. There was more X-Men comics than there were Batman for a little while. But then, oh. again, then again, Batman also had Nightwing, yeah. Batgirl. There was like four different Batgirls during the 90s, too, because different stuff that happened. Uh, Birds of Prey. There was like all these. So, like, comics get a little bit ridiculous after a while where it's like you're trying to, like, keep up with everything. It's like, I started to cough again. <laughs> uh, where it's like, oh, my God. Like, I just want to be able to read, like, two books yes. at the most, maybe. And yeah, just really get like a concise storyline where it's like, and they're 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 doing a better job of that nowadays. Although X Men got a little ridiculous again because they decided to do this whole um, overarching storyline. And if you really want to understand it all, you got to read every one of these new books. And it's like, oh, they're just trying to sell books again. Like they're just trying to like really get you into it because they have the main X Men series, they have the Marauders, they have Excalibur again, they got a new Wolverine book they've got. Yeah. It's like, it's like, okay, this is, 
I don't have the money. <laughs> I don't have the money for this. I want I want to have the money, but especially when I'm trying to buy like these collections and stuff like that, it's just like, oh my god. Yeah. I can't. I, I had to, I had to stop. Yeah, see, I just stuck with uh I mainly stuck with like uncanny. Because Uncanny is one of the original ones. Yeah. And I knew, I knew even if I missed a bunch of issues, I knew if I, if I bought Uncanny that I, I would be able to somewhat piece together like where yeah. everything is. Yeah. Every once in a while they might have like a crossover issue or something. Or, but for the most part, it was, you could just read that storyline. Yeah. That makes sense. And Spider-Man, to, to Spider-Man's credit, as far as the comics even if it was a different version of Spider-Man or a different series, yeah. Spider-Man, as uh, far as the comics go, did a really, really good job of having the stories, for the most part, be a lot more standalone yeah. than a lot of other comics. Yeah, because, I mean, you you have... Yeah, it's just Peter Parker. I mean, it's like... <laughs> When they have three different comics of Spider-Man at one point, it didn't make sense to me either. Because yeah, like, it's like when they do that, it's yeah, like, you only have it's one character. Why do you? Why? How much can you have this one character do? At a certain point, it was really like, hey, we have three or four different Spider-Man series. Um, what's the difference? Well, he's got different suits yeah. in each one. Yeah. <laughs> that was <He's> the- <laughs> literally like a selling point yeah. at one point for Spider-Man was like. Well, do you want to see him in this suit? Because we've got this series. And you're oh, like, yeah. well, how much is different? Well, he's got a different suit. <laughs> different <laughs> suit. And that's that's important, you know. It, and, oh, and, but gosh, honestly, yeah. growing up, you are like, I do kind of want to see him in that suit. Yeah. I do kind of want to be and, cool. and also when really you got like cool. an artist you really like, too. That's true, yeah. I mean, everybody was really, you know, huge on uh, um, McFarlane. I forgot his first name all of a sudden. Um he created Venom. Uh, God damn it. I can't remember. I just forgot his name now. He created Spawn. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, though. Yeah. yeah. Also, really famous guy. He's also really well known for making a lot of action figures because he got tired of seeing action figures that didn't move around and everything like that. Uh, God damn it. Why can't I remember his name, though? Anyway, um, so one more thing I'll ask. Um, do you have like a top five favorite characters or favorite books that you read or like any like story arcs or anything like that? Oh, okay. Um, let me think. What's my favorite story arc? That's a good question. Um, you can do characters if that makes it easier. Yeah, characters might make it easier. Definitely... Definitely, I mean, you know, obviously we're talking about it a lot. Yeah. But, you know, definitely uh, Gambit mm-hmm. for sure. And then um, <laughs> I can tell you this. One one character I've always tried to like like or sympathize with, but yeah. always they're, the way that everybody always writes them just makes it makes you kind of be like, man, you kind of suck. Yeah. <laughs> fucking uh <laughs> fucking Cyclops. Yeah. Scott. Scott always in every iteration I have read of mm-hmm. how people write Cyclops, he's always he he so he's like he's seems like he's on the losing end of a lot of interpersonal things, especially yes. with Jean Grey 
and that whole situation. The clone of Jean Grey, too. And the clone of Jean Grey. And, but it's also like he's always written with an attitude where even if he is on the losing end of something, you're kind of like, good, dude, you kind of <laughs> suck. <laughs> yeah. You like, you're, <laughs> nobody wants to be around you, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're just, <laughs> He's not, he's, anytime people say Cyclops is their favorite character, I think it's very interesting. (laughs) It's like, he's kind of a piece of shit a little bit. He kind of is like, and, but then like, and like stuff just doesn't work out his way. And maybe it's supposed to be like a lesson. Maybe it's supposed to be like a lesson to, to kids growing up. Like, Hey, if you're going to be like a little whiny bitch, like, (laughs) Stuff is not going to go your way and you're just going to whine and it's going to be a cycle. But it's like, I always thought Cyclops was such a cool X-Men. Yeah. And it was such an interesting um, dilemma with him because he's like one of the few mutants where his power is also kind of a disability. Yeah. To the the point where like, (laughs) to the point where, and uh, people have written him differently. Like Mm -hmm. I've seen versions of Cyclops where it's like, Oh, he kind of can control when it comes out of his eyes, yeah. the, the beams. But a lot of versions are like, oh, if he takes off the special sunglasses, everybody dies. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if he doesn't have the ruby sunglasses on, he's, yeah, he's <laughs> fucked. Everybody's <laughs> fucked around him. Like, just a beam of light all the time. Yeah. yeah and it'd be like, you know, they'll have scenes in the comics, they'll have scenes of him like out at the store or something. And mm-hmm. then like he's, he wants to get a closer look at something. And all of a sudden he just like destroys part yeah. of an aisle or something. <laughs> And so he's got this crazy dilemma because most of the mutants with their powers, they can be out in public or they can be like chilling or something and it doesn't really affect them or they can hide it, but he can't really hide it. And and it's like, (laughs) you know, it's like if he's, if if, if there's like a kid who's like talking to him or whatever and he kind of kneels down and he's like, hey, hey, what's what's up that's a really nice you know uh, uh shirt you have on there yeah. or whatever and if the kid starts playing with his glasses boom yeah. he just obliterates the kid <laughs> he like fucking I think of every time like i have a lot of nieces and nephews <laughs> and i have i got lasik a couple like a last year but before that i had glasses for a long time and when you're hanging out with babies they will take your glasses off yeah so- <laughs> I'm very surprised there was never a s- like I'm- yeah that he didn't murder uh, like Cable or something like that when exactly he was yeah <laughs> playing with his glasses taking the glasses off and boom obliterated with the beam yeah so turns out Cyclops just has a really large baby body count that nobody knows about. <laughs> like- it's very possible <laughs> it's very- so that's a that's a character that I always I always wanted to like but then mm-hmm. the just his like. <laughs> I guess it's one of the few times, I guess, and this doesn't really happen that often with like yeah. superheroes and comics and stuff, but it's like the personality is just such a turn off. Yeah. <laughs> for me. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. He's, yeah, he's kind of, I don't know. Yeah, I have, the, I, I, I've had the same dilemma with him for a long time. So, but as far as like people, you like you said Gambit, um, mm. do you have four others you can think of? It doesn't have to be X-Men. It could be just comic comic book characters in general uh comic book characters in general um yeah. well 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 we were just talking about it i definitely have to put uh i would definitely have to put batman and um spider-man up there okay and uh wolverine okay. put wolverine up there i will say logan the movie is probably the closest they've gotten to like a 
like a premium, yeah, like good X Men film. It's true. Like probably Logan, as far as like X Men films go, Logan probably the best one. Oh yeah, as of now, it's great. No disrespect to all the other X Men films; <laughs> they all had their own merits. Yeah, I mean X Men Three had a meme in it, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm the juggernaut, bitch. I remember yeah. people cheering in the theater when that happened. And I was it's, like, wow, this, it can't, this is not going to hold up. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but, um, bad, bad. yeah, so Wolverine and, um, okay, so that's four, mm-hmm. I think. I said Gambit, Batman, Spider-Man, Wolverine, and who would be the fifth? That is a good question. Um, who would be the fifth? I'm trying to think. It's a hard. This is a hard question. Okay. This is hard. This is like, this is like when you ask parents, you know, which children they they would kill, <laughs> <laughs> which is a classic uh, crowd work bit in stand up. Yeah. It's a classic crowd work bit. Asking them which children they can do without. Um, I'm trying to think. I've always liked. You know, I've always liked. This is going back. See, I, this is revealing me as a big X-Men guy. I'm also a big Batman guy, um, but I have certain reservations about Batman. Uh, Colossus. Colossus. Okay. Yeah. He's a great character. Colossus. I actually, he would make a lot of appearances in a lot of the X-Men issues that I would buy. Yeah. was a lot of Colossus. There wasn't a lot of uh, backstory for him, but he, Colossus is interesting because he's been on both sides mm-hmm. of uh being aligned with the X-Men and also being aligned with Magneto. Hmm. So there, there are storylines where Colossus is like the enemy. Interesting. I, I actually didn't know that, but that's, that's yeah, cool. he, he, um, and it's, it's funny because like Magneto for Magneto's side of, we need to be against the humans and preserve, uh, life for mutants. Yeah. For as diverse as his evil team could be, um, he has a lot of big dudes. Yeah. He's got Juggernaut. <laughs> yeah. He's got Sabretooth. He's got Blob. He's got Blob. Yeah. <laughs> and at one point, he kind of has Colossus on his side, too. Interesting. So, it's like he's got a lot of big dudes. Blob is also a funny character, too. Yeah. Because literally, uh, I don't know if he has any, like, super mutant powers other than being just huge. Yeah. Just He's just a big dude. Yeah, just a big... He's just a... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just his, his superpower is obesity yeah, basically <laughs> yeah. so i don't think he's gonna make it into the next x-men um I was a, yeah i mean he was in the the x-men origins movie which was terrible in its own so all right um last question i asked since this is me talking to comedians uh what was uh what was your do you remember kind of inspiration for starting comedy well, I watched a lot. It, it's a it's the same story as I feel like as a lot of comedians have mm-hmm. is uh, I watched a lot of comedy yeah. growing up. Watched a lot of comedy growing up. My grandfather was a like a I don't even know if there's levels, but I feel like he was like a platinum Reader's Digest uh, okay. subscriber. And what happens is when you're at the top tier of being subscribed to Reader's Digest, they send you, uh, they used to send you videotapes. Oh, I didn't know that. They used okay. to send you Reader's Digest compilation videotapes of, it was basically like Time Life's crap. 
You know, okay. when they had like the infomercials of like, do you remember yeah. this music? Do you remember the hits from the <laughs> 80s and 90s? Do you remember that Time yeah. Life is bringing them all to you in one, you know, nine disc collection? So Reader's Digest did that, but with television. Okay. And so my grandfather would get a lot of compilation tapes from Reader's Digest of like classic comedy. Okay. Stand up. Um, sketch, all that stuff. So I used to watch all that. And I also, growing up, was, uh, and I feel like a lot of people my age, mm-hmm. huge Conan guy. Yes. Huge, yes. huge, huge Conan guy. So I saw a lot of stand up that way too. Um, yeah. Conan, it'd be Conan. Uh, didn't, I didn't really see too much stand up on Comedy Central because yeah. Comedy Central used to not really be super, like they, they did show a lot of stand-up, but as far as what I was watching, yeah. I didn't see a lot of stand-up on Comedy Central. I used Central. to watch a lot of, like, Mad TV on Comedy Central. Oh, Mad TV was the best. <laughs> Mad TV, honestly, <laughs> Mad TV, I, yeah, I watched yeah. Mad TV. I really didn't watch um, that much SNL growing up. I saw yeah. I saw parts of SNL, but honestly, as far as watching full episodes, I watched way more Mad TV. Same. Um, just because it was... It was a lot different. But yeah, so those those video compilations, Conan, between all that, that's how I saw a lot of comedy. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that you could, I didn't even know that anybody could do comedy. I thought that there was like, uh, the, it was like special people that could do comedy. You know, a chosen people, yeah, if you like, would. Like, like someone would just appear at someone's house and be like, I heard you were funny at school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I thought only a chosen people. Yeah. The Jews. No, I'm just... Uh, but... <laughs> I... Yeah, so I didn't even know it was like a, a, a possibility. I was always a fan of comedy. And then I had... Um, and then I had a very tumultuous home life. So you put those two things together. Yeah. You create a comedian. And then in college, uh, I... In college, I I got so you can blame people I went to college with and was around mm-hmm. for me being in stand up because there was a lot of me. I was trying to be a writer, yeah, um, which I'm still pretty decent at writing, but uh, as uh, stories, I, I don't want to get into it. But I, I tried to That's be fair. a writer um, because I was getting an English degree in college, yeah, and then I was I I literally like I was so dumb. I was in my early twenties. I was so dumb. I had a mind of like. Literally, when I was in college, I was like, well, I guess when when I graduate is when I start writing the next great American novel. <laughs> that's what I do. I take all my stuff, put it in one novel, and then yeah. that's my ticket. And I was writing all these stories, all these short stories, and they weren't bad. I mean, yeah. I, I was like winning awards and shit for them, mm-hmm. um, which was like cool. But all of the all the other people in my program, all the other writers, like fucking hated me. Yeah, they did not like me because I didn't really care too much about how interesting plots were. I was constantly writing jokes into the stories. Um, I was writing funny things happening. Yeah, in the stories, like I wrote a short story in college where there's like an old an old man at a laundromat doing his laundry mm-hmm. and watching a kid put himself. Putting putting the kid, the kid putting himself into a dryer, yeah, and somehow getting the dryer to run, and so the kids in the dryer just kind of <laughs> like like spinning around and stuff like that, like like. But it was all like, 
I was trying to write so much funny, like funny. Yeah, yeah. So funny, like so much funny. And I didn't really care too much about like character development or how interesting this plot is or like, yeah. what does this have to do with this? I mean, I had knowledge of that, but literally every time I got into a college writing workshop mm-hmm. or I was on the editorial board for my um, college's uh, literary magazine, yeah, every comment from the other writers and editors who were very serious, yeah, who had a lot more, you know, whatever lofty expectations of, they all were like, you keep writing all this, all these jokes and all this funny, you, it's very, they were like, it's very funny, but like, yeah. you don't have like, there's no character development, there's no plot, I don't know who this person is, da 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 da. Yep. So it literally boiled down to most of these people being like, you just, you just write jokes. Yeah. They're like, you're just writing jokes. Like literally one time, the, this girl I was a, was one of my classmates at, at a, a, a writing um, uh, workshop where we mm-hmm. read our short stories in front of all the other writers and editors. She literally stood up and was like, I feel like you should be doing stand up. <laughs> right. That's great, though. So yeah. like it, she just stood up in the middle of the auditorium and was like, I feel like you. Yeah. She's like, there's this is a very funny. She was like, oh, this is very funny. But she was like, all your other, everything else that you need in a good short story is just not there. Yeah. Right? She's like, I just feel like, I feel like you're just trying to be, you're, you're, you're writing jokes. Yeah. So I got a lot of that. And then I started doing stand up in college, basically, because yeah. I, it just happened enough that I was like, all right, well, maybe I should do stand up. That's, you that's, should try stand up. That's funny. I tried to write a novel when I was 24, I think it was. Oh, shit. Yeah. And I, it was literally like that. I was, I just, I realized I was just trying, I was like, I was trying to mimic Douglas Adams where everything was a joke after a joke. Every situation that happened in the story, like, was like something that was silly and off the wall. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of funny to hear like other people doing that. Yeah. Well, yeah. it was like, I was also reading like, uh, Chuck Klosterman mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. And so he's very, a very funny writer, but yeah. he's more of an essayist. Um, you know, Kurt, uh, Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah. Very funny, but very dark. Yeah. Uh, very, very dark. Um, there were a lot of writers. The he writers. Any, uh, Christopher Moore. Any of his stuff. Um, he wrote a book called Lamb, which is, uh, it's about uh, Jesus. It's about Jesus, but it's through the perspective of his best friend, Biff. It's it's actually pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to look that one up. <laughs> it's it's pretty good. It's about like through it's it's this angel who's a complete uh, moron basically uh, comes and revives Jesus's friend to have him write the new gospel, which is basically about the forgotten year or the missing years between the um between him like being at the temple and like re- realizing he's the son of God, and then you know the whole like important gospels area where he's preaching the word or whatever so it's like him doing it's just it's really ridiculous but it's really good you said it was called lamb lamb yeah. I'll, I'll have to i'll have to look into that it sounds like it sounds like an interesting book yeah it's only like 200 200 maybe 300 pages at the most it's pretty short but i i liked yeah so i was really drawn when i was in when i was in college i was really drawn to a lot of those writers um i mean hemingway can be funny at points mm-hmm. um Hem- hemingway also if you look at what at his output also a very dark writer uh faulkner i feel like faulkner was he he wrote really strange stuff it wasn't 
as funny per se, but it was yeah. very like Faulkner was very gothic. And I felt like Faulkner actually is a guy is a writer that inspired a lot of the darker um, comics, honestly, okay. of uh, like a lot of that style, because a lot of that Southern gothic um, actually even going back to the gambit we were talking about. Yeah. Some of it feels very Faulkner ish. There's a lot. Faulkner deals a lot with death. Faulkner deals a lot with family yeah. um, and and the past and legacies and things that um, are kind of like people are holding on to and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's a it, it I think he's influenced a lot of writers, but he was all about the Southern Gothic. I mean, he literally he literally wrote a story where there's a, a, a widow who's like freaking in bed with her um ex-husband's gravestone so it's like oh wow <laughs> which is kind of funny yeah. it's it's kind yeah. of funny but yeah. it's 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 very dark it's very strange it's not like laugh out loud haha funny it's very yeah. like a little disturbing but i was like yeah so i was drawn to a lot of that stuff and then yeah. but then i was like because i watched so and consumed so much comedy when i was growing up and like i was you know i used to write one-liners um yeah i used to write one-liners when i had one of my first computers and I would print them out. Mm. I used to call them uh, courtroom thoughts. <laughs> That's what I used to call them. And there was a character that ran through them yeah. called Quickie hmm. with a K. Um, and he was a Kiwi, which is a flightless bird. Okay. So immediately tragic, a flightless bird, Kiwi. And so I would reference him sometimes in the one-liners. I used to write all these one-liners and print them out. And then I would give them to my stepbrother mm-hmm. to, to read and uh, that that was really, really, I mean, all along I should have been doing comedy. But it yeah. took it took until college until multiple people who were very serious writers yeah. stood up and were like, you're being funny. <laughs> you're not really <laughs> writing like literature. Yeah. You're writing jokes. So you should go over to where all the joke people are <laughs> and hang yeah. out with them. Yeah. And so I did. That's great. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I like your origin story. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It took a long time. I should start calling that that. <laughs> hmm? That's what I should start calling it since this is a comic book podcast. The origin just, story. Origin, origin stories. You that, know, was, like, that was my origin story. It's your origin story. It was yeah. just people most of my life um, pushing me towards it and being like, you should be doing this because this is obviously what you want to be doing. And then, um, I mean, honestly, like most things in life, yeah. it doesn't seem possible until you're actually doing it. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's true. I never would have, I, I wanted to, I was, a, I wanted to be a preacher at one point cause I was super religious for a long time. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. The, up until, I up mean, until, it's stage time is stage time, which yeah, is the most true. comedian thing I could say. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I wanted to be a preacher. One, I thought, I thought I was going to be a preacher at one point and, but I never actually like went to try to be i just like would if they ever had like a church they would be like ask you if you wanted to go up and talk i'd always like take go up and talk as long as i could but yeah that's that's really interesting um any uh anything you want to plug before we're done sure uh i have a i have a website um chrishudson.co not dot com chrishudson.co the dot com's being somebody squatted on it for years and it's like they want a few grand or I'm not going to pay it yeah yeah. Um, yeah so chrishudson.co it's got links to everything all of my social media um, I also have okay. a bi-weekly podcast uh, coffee sip uh, with 
Chris Hudson, who is me. Uh, that's bi-weekly on all the podcast platforms. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're listening to this on, you can also find Coffee Sip. Uh, yeah, at Chris, C-H-R-I-E-E-S on Instagram, at C-W Hudson, like the river, Hudson, at C-W Hudson on Twitter, chrishudson.co though. That's the website. You can find okay. everything on chrishudson.co. Sounds good. Uh, for me, it's just uh, uh, Instagram for the moment. Uh, just nearly functional comedy, nearly functional comics, and then, uh, this right here, obsessive comic disorder. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for coming on again, Chris. This Thank you. Yeah. yeah, we got really, really, really fucking nerdy. Yeah, I love, I love doing that. <laughs> That's why I have this podcast. <laughs> thanks for everybody for listening. Have a great day. <laughs>